Hey guys, welcome back to Menace and Medicine. I'm your host, Brenda. And I'm your host, Cece. So, we have a very special guest with us today. He's got degrees in medicine and psychology from King's College London. He was a visiting student at Harvard and he trained in internal medicine and intensive care. He did his general and cardiothoracic surgery training at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital and the Royal Brompton and London Chest Hospitals. He was the president of the RSM cardiothoracic section in December 2013, also the author of a best-selling book called Thoracic Surgical Techniques and had an amazing involvement in a BBC documentary series called The Surgeon at the Edge of Life. So if any of our listeners want to watch that, he was in series four, episode three. And in 2005 to 2007, he worked at the Toronto General Hospital in Canada and took fellowships in general thoracic surgery and lung transplant surgery. And today, our very special guest is Dr. Kina. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It's a privilege to have you today. And we hope you enjoy it as much as we will. Well, thanks so much. It's so nice to be here, and it's great to hear all your enthusiasm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really funny hearing all of that, because it doesn't really sound like um, as, as I've just been talking about my ski trip that I've just come back from. Um, and, you know, what I was saying to you is that if there's one thing that I can recommend, save up for it and go on holidays like that. Uh, it doesn't have to be skiing, but something that takes you out into the fresh air, the sunshine, meet people, do something physical yeah. and do something that just takes your mind off everything. And as I was as I was just saying, it's the pivot point of my year. You know, I come back feeling refreshed. I, I, I keep exercising, going to the gym afterwards and, until That's some good. things creep yeah. up on me and it starts to fall apart again yeah. uh, until the next ski trip. So, yeah, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we have three segments in this show. And the first segment is the BPM segment, um, and it's called Back to Pre-Med. And it's where we ask questions about the young Dr. Kina as a student. So, Cece, take it away. Okay, question number one. Transport us back to your school days. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I had a great time at school, actually. I I, I went to a a really nice school that was uh, uh, outside. Sorry, do you mean high school or do you mean university school? Yeah, just secondary. in school in general, yeah. secondary high school. Yeah. yeah, secondary school. Yeah, well, it was it was the same school from the time I was seven, so I kind of knew everybody, knew everything. Yeah. And uh, you know, we, we, it was a really nice school. Um, and uh, you know how it is as a teenager, you have lots of kind of other issues. You you're trying to find your way in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I had the usual bunch of things like that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was good. Yeah. Okay. Good. So to follow on from that, what were your favourite subjects while studying at school? Well, to be honest, I, I liked absolutely everything. Um, and uh, the things I wasn't as good at, well, the, the, the one subject I dropped was, was French. Ooh. Because I was kind of, um, uh, I, 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 and I think I was the only person who didn't do French. Um, and uh, it, it's sort of been a, a regret. And I, I really like the French language. I always try and speak it. Um, I do Duolingo, yeah. I try and keep up with my wife uh, at French, <laughs> uh, I, I did German instead, ah, um, I just, you know, I, I wanted to do as many subjects as I could, but bizarrely, uh, and in order to do all the humanities and all the sciences, I had to drop a language, um, oh, so, yeah. I, yeah. We just chose. Well, I'm still yeah, taking I mean, French. And, 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 and <laughs> apart from languages, I was equally good at all the subjects. Oh, okay. So yeah, all-rounder in general. Yeah. 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 Very yeah there, there wasn't anything that I was better or worse. At. In fact, probably 
I was to say anything, my my best subject would probably have been history. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. yeah I like history is very interesting, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I took geography instead of history, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so what A-levels did you take then? Yeah, well, in the end, I did uh, physics, uh, maths. Uh, no, I didn't do physics. I did maths, chemistry, biology, and economics. Ooh, okay. that's a I'll nice mix. Yeah, quite a few people in our school do that mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a good choice. Yeah, then. she does could the quadruple. She does math, <laughs> triple science, maths. Yeah. Yeah, triple science, maths, and I do triple science and French. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you a little interesting anecdote. There were the three of us who did economics, and uh, we no, not three of us. There, there were like I don't know, twenty of us. Uh, but yeah. Three of us got A's, and one of them became a really senior politician. Wow. And the other guy uh, ended up doing something in finance, being wildly successful. Wow. So. <laughs> Why did I become the doctor? Well, sure. you're very successful. That is, yeah, you're very you successful, successful as well. Yeah. So the successful trio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next, did you partake in any extracurriculars? Yeah, lots of stuff. So I was in the uh, school uh, cadets, um, and I was in the RF section. I was actually like the, the senior, the, the the top cadet in that, and I, and I I really enjoyed that because again, it's kind of all these outward boundy things, and we um, we did lots of group things, and we were able to go out to RAF bases and American Air Force bases. It was it was it was yeah. it was fun. I learned a lot about leadership through that, uh, about teamwork. Um, uh, so that was there. I did I did a lot of sports until I had a, a, a neck injury, so I had Aww. to stop playing rugby. Uh, but I, I used to really enjoy it till then. Um, when I was a younger teenager, I was pretty overweight and you know very uh, not not unfit, but you know if you're carrying extra weight, you just can't you know yeah. compete yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. But then I kind of lost that, and uh, I, I I really enjoyed all of that. Yeah, so. Uh, those were my kind of two main extracurricular things at school. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. yeah, I play basketball currently, and she's a musician. She's just <laughs> incredible. Yeah, oh, I I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, you know, languages and music were not my strongest thing. We have got a, a piano, and um, some of my kids have done really well with that, but I would, it's something that I'd love to pick up. You, you, you just realise the, the kind of the beauty of these things later on if you yeah. haven't, you know, if it hasn't captured you when you're younger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so if you could speak to your 16-year-old self and give him some advice, what would you say? Well, you know, at 16, you kind of think you know everything, but also you looking back on myself I also knew nothing Uh, and so I would say uh, just 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 sort of pursue what you think you're good at and uh, along the way just be just be the nicest person you can be yeah yeah that's a very good yeah always be nice to people you never know who you who you meet over the years in your life yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, I, 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 sorry, I just want to emphasize, I apply that to everybody, you know, yeah. Yeah. absolutely everybody. Yeah. Uh, and kind of stay, stay humble, you know, 
super important. Yeah, yeah that's very good advice. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. No, because so honestly, it's, it's very it's simple. It's so, very simple advice. But a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. especially when they get more famous or yeah. rich. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll stay very humble. You know? Try, I'll humble you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, our next segment is Got Me in Citrus segment. And it's where we ask pressing questions about the life as a surgeon. So, Cece again, take it away for us. <laughs> okay, number one. For the students and people tuning in today who may not know what a cardiothoracic surgeon does, can you explain more about your role? So, what specific area of the body are you responsible for? Yeah, okay. So, within the UK, cardiothoracic surgery is the surgical specialty that deals with everything from the neck up to and including the diaphragm. And uh, what in, in this day and age... The, in Britain at least, that, that most of esophageal surgery is done by esophageal specialists and that has moved to the care of people who deal pre- predominantly with the gut, so gastroenterologists and abdominal surgeons. But apart from that, everything within that space, that anatomical space is, is what cardiothoracic surgery does. Okay. And we're divided into a number of subspecialties. So there's cardiac surgery, yeah. adult cardiac surgery, there's paediatric children's cardiac, cardiothoracic surgery, there is heart and lung transplant, which is again divided into adult and paediatric mostly, okay. and then there is general thoracic surgery. And I, I am now a general thoracic surgeon, but my training and the mother specialty, the overarching specialty is cardiothoracic surgery. So I did... For a thoracic surgeon, I did quite a lot of cardiac surgery and I did some esophageal surgery and I got enough exposure to plastics and ENT. I yeah, probably probably cool. should have got more exposure to ENT, ear, nose and throat. And I got, a, a, for a trainee, I got a massive experience of lung transplantation because I went to Toronto. Um, yeah. And all of those things, they, 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 it all comes together in whatever specialty you pursue, you pursue because you've learned all these different things, you've learned from different surgeons, you've learned different approaches. Um, and so what we do, the, 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 our unique skill set is that we can operate, but that's, it's not just cutting and sewing, it is the assessment of the patients, yeah. Yeah. and it's looking after them afterwards, overseeing their care. And beyond that, there is research there is education yeah there's communication to the public like we're doing today and there's also an ongoing evaluation of what we do and our processes and what i do um so all of that uh, and then there's also management hospital management i'm also now a hospital governor as well so um i'm involved in the uh the direction of our hospital um, and as a, as a sort of more senior surgeon, I'm, I'm a trustee of our specialist society, the Society yeah. for Cardiothoracic Surgery, and I chair the Thoracic Surgery Committee for Great Britain and Ireland, which Ooh. is our professional uh, <laughs> body that oversees <clears throat> thoracic surgery and, and tries to provide a bit of guidance to that. So those are, those are sort of my professional activities as the cardiothoracic surgeon. Wow. Okay. Thank you for giving us the rundown yeah, of that. Very impressive. <laughs> yeah, very, very impressive. And I didn't know that there was so much that went into um, cardiothoracic surgery as a whole. Yeah. yeah. And there was different sections of it. Yeah. So I learned a lot today. Yeah. 
Okay, so our next question is, just so people can get to know you more, can you elaborate on some of your achievements and impressive feats? And we've had some already in the introduction, but can you elaborate on them? Well, what are you interested in? You tell me what you like, and I can elaborate on those, or I can just ad lib. Well, I'm very interested in the the book you wrote. Um, okay. Yeah, so the book that you wrote... Thoracic Surgery Techniques. Techniques, yeah, yeah. Thoracic Surgical so, Techniques. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's my professional book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that I'm really J.K. Rowling. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so Thoracic Surgery Techniques. Um, well, this was, well, I, I think that it was an amazing opportunity, actually, because the it's actually the third edition of this book. And... Um, I'm now the senior thoracic surgeon in the Royal Papworth Hospital. Yeah. Um, but before me, I'm just following. I'm just treading in the footsteps of people. Um, there was another guy called Frank Wells, and before that, there was another guy called Bill, Ben Milstein. Yeah. And Ben wrote the first book. I never met Ben, and then Frank uh, adapted the, his book into the second edition and then I adapted Frank's book into the third edition and um, it was it was it was an amazing thing to be able to 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 be involved in the journey of thoracic surgery and this book is very pictorial it's got beautiful line drawings of operations in and for me to be able to take a specialty that was all about open surgery big incisions and then apply it to the keyhole era. So we're in the era of minimally invasive surgery and, and yeah. rewriting that context was a real opportunity. Wow. And it, it naturally, in that process, you learn more than you teach because you see what masters of surgery have done and you apply those things in your own work. Wow, wow. That's very inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully one day I can write a book, and she wants to be a cardiothoracic right. surgeon, so maybe she can write the fourth edition. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Well, you, you're very young, so you might get to write the fifth or sixth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll be up there, though. Up there, though. No, give it a shot. Yeah, why not? Okay, so when did you first know you wanted to be a doctor or go into field? Well, when I was, I come from a medical family, actually. So yeah. when I was really little, I thought. I, 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 there was never kind of anything else that I would have done, um, except we, we, as a family, we, we kind of like did three jobs. Everybody did three jobs. So you, um, there was quite a kind of military tradition. So my grandfather yeah. was a officer in the British Indian Army, oh. and uh, we also had a farm. So uh, you were sort of grown up running the farm and you went to school and then you went to medical school yeah. and the farm kind of, you kind of oversee the running of the farm and you did some time in the military and then you came back to the farm and the, my grandfather founded a, a, a charity hospital really oh, wow. in rural India. Wow. And uh you, you he spent his life uh, he he I, I think i think he was only in his 50s when he died um oh, of, of early uh, i never knew him but mm-hmm. he was a very inspirational figure in fact i found his old 
kind of notes from medical school, and he had the most beautiful handwriting, wow. um, far better than mine. And then I tried <laughs> to copy it, and it, yeah. you know, wrote like that for a few weeks, and and uh, then it, my my writing went back to what it was. <laughs> yeah. and, and then my his his sons, he had he had two surviving sons to adulthood. One son uh, died drowned actually. Um, oh, wow. Uh, and he had uh, a daughter who survived to adulthood. One daughter died in... Uh, the eldest daughter apparently died as a, as a baby, and so oh. nobody ever knew her. Yeah. And my dad and elder brother were both... So, uh, well, medical. My, my, my dad's elder brother did exactly the same as his father, uh, and he actually trained as an eye surgeon, and in addition to the sort of rural hospital... Yeah. general practice which which used to see over 100 patients a day he was also an eye surgeon yeah and did the military and all of that and my dad my dad actually went into dentistry uh and then became a head and neck an all, a head and neck surgeon basically wow. in, in and then in britain and that's how i wound up being in britain yeah and so um i'm the guy who doesn't do the farming who <laughs> didn't go into the, the military beyond the cadets yeah um and i, I in fact I, I did go into the military at the time i mean things have changed now but at the time i didn't feel very welcome as a brown person in the british army yeah um, and um I, it's it's changed a lot um yeah and uh the uh, but but I did become the doctor and I I did you know eventually become a surgeon. Yeah, yeah. Still very still very highly appraised yeah. job. So it's still still wonderful to be a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so going from that, um, what qualities do you think would make a good doctor or a good surgeon? Okay. So you know I can I can say this now from the perspective of being in my fifties <laughs> and the senior surgeon, and yeah. that is that. The the number one quality, uh, and you, you you might find this strange. The, the number one quality is uh, for, for anybody in this line of work is that you've got to number one put your own health and physical well being equal to that of your patients. And I'm saying that because I've seen like too many people who've burnt themselves out and wow. wrecked themselves. And or pursued something they weren't good at, but to the level you need to be good at. Yeah. And 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 you know they've made themselves miserable and they haven't fulfilled their potential. Yeah. So I, I put that there at, at the very beginning because you know I was brought up in surgery and I did this to myself and I did this to my family. Yeah. Of you know working like in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Yes, and you know, at the end of it, I don't think it made me any better, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think that I would have got to the same point, but have been a kinder, gentler person. Mm. Um, if if I just put that that what I've just told you a little bit higher, so that would be the number one thing. The the number two thing is you've got to be a team player. Yeah. Uh, sure. And you've got to. And that, you know, the person who is at the security at the door, the person who pushes the meals around the hospital, the person who cleans the floor, the chief executive, a surgeon, a nurse, the people who make the food, they're 
all important to the healthcare process and they mm-hmm. all Definitely. need a lot of respect and they all need to be treated as as fairly as possible. Yeah. That's number two. The third thing is you have to be able to listen to your patients and their families. Yeah. And you have to be able to treat them as, as completely as possible. Yeah. And the fourth thing is you have to be technically good. Yeah. As a, if you're going to be a surgeon. Yeah. And, and, and that involves you, you know, yeah, you've got to do all the book work, but you've also got to put the hours in, yeah. in the technical skills and the craft aspects of it. 100%. And uh, people say, "Oh, how did you do that?" It's like so many hours or whatever. But you know, I, 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 where I, whereas I wasn't a musician, I wasn't a pianist, but I was a surgeon. You know, I enjoy using my hands. It's very absorbing. Yeah. You, yeah. you lose yourself within an operation. Yeah. And so I think you know that's what's unique about a surgery, and. Um, uh, th- those are the qualities that I commend to people. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about physical stamina. I mean, stamina is important in, in, a, in, a, in a surgeon, but it's also important in any medical yeah. career. And I'll just tell you now, you know, people talk about the hours and the, the night working and so on. I think it's really important that people just choose something that they are comfortable with. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been able to deal with lack of sleep. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it, I, I can do it, uh, and it's not a problem for me. I don't feel crap if if it happens. I mean, I, in fact, yeah. I do now. Yeah. But when I was younger, until I was in my mid forties, I, I, I didn't know what the word tired meant. Wow. I, 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 I never experienced tiredness. I would I would finish a day and I'd go to sleep, but I didn't know what tired meant. But now I now I kind of identify with it. Yeah. But. You know, other people are not like that. And it doesn't mean that I'm better or worse or anything like that. It just means that that's what my physiology allowed me to do. So just go with the flow. You know, if it doesn't agree with you, don't do it. You know, don't make yourself miserable. Yeah, definitely. Just do something you enjoy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Of course, as a follow-up question, how do you manage the pressure from patients' relatives? Pressures from patients' relatives? Yes. Well, uh, the first thing is to understand where the pressure is coming from. And it's always coming from fear and anxiety and the unknown. Um, And when people are sick, um, particularly when they're seriously unwell, when they go to hospital, an unfamiliar place, it's a time of great transition. And so what I, 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 I approach it from that point of view um and uh i approach it honestly i don't try and disguise anything but yeah. what i will always do uh, because i because what 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 i i understand is 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 they are fearful and they're worried and they're uncertain so i try to deal with their fear by saying and this is true yeah you know this is a time for them for the for the relatives their job now is to look after themselves yeah and to be kind to themselves because our job is to look after the patient yeah. and the patient needs the relative or friend to be in the best state possible when they come out of hospital yeah. to sleep, to eat, to rest. And what will be, will be, but I, but we, the hospital will look after their relative as well as we possibly can. Yeah. 
And the other thing I say is that, you know, you're, you're going from a point of, well, we're not sure what's going on to a point of, okay, this is the problem. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And this is the likely recovery. This is in hospital and then at home. So I always say to them, look, we're going from a point of uncertainty to a bit of certainty or clarity. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, the kind of what is what might be is going to be what will be. And, yeah. and in the modern era, the chance of something going wrong, catastrophically wrong, particularly in a place like Royal Papworth Hospital, is really, really low. Yeah. And so the, the risk to life for major lung cancer surgery in our hospital is probably under 1%. Nationally, it's wow. about 1% to 2 Wow. Okay? So the chance, and, and if something happens, it's usually not directly related to the operation. It's yeah. because... It's because somebody's come in and they've got other medical problems and something has flared up. And when you have lots of sick people with other problems coming into a hospital, inevitably things are going to happen. But actually, surprisingly, if that problem were to happen at home, they would have less chance of going through it. But if you're in Royal Papworth Hospital, you've got much more chance of getting through it. So it's like if you're on an aircraft and somebody collapses, you're more likely to have survived from CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation on an aircraft, than you are if you collapse at home or on the street. Yeah. Because you're more likely to have a doctor or somebody who can do CPR on that's it. That's true. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's than, true. Than, than outside. And yeah. in fact, you know, you're going to think I go on holiday all the time, but, but you know, <laughs> it's all been stacked up because we couldn't go away through COVID. So we went away in February with the, yeah. with the whole family. Yeah, and somebody collapsed on the aircraft. Wow! And uh, so I, I had to do I don't know something like forty-five minutes of CPR and wow. drugs. We actually got the guy back. Wow! Uh, and we had to divert the flight from where we were going to somewhere else so that he could be taken off and into hospital. Yeah. Wow! So, so and I've never done that before. Did they say the announcement on board? Do we have any doctors on board yeah, at the moment? And then you have to come up. To yeah, come. yeah, more or less. Yeah. Oh wow! Ooh. Wow! A That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very scary. So our next question is a bit more light-hearted. So Muhammad Ali had a routine before his boxing matches. He'd move his feet fast to intimidate his opponents, yeah. and Usain Bolt used to ask for silence and then put up his lightning bolt. How do you as a surgeon get ready for battle? Do you look in the mirror and tell yourself, I am the captain of my own ship? Or do you ask for silence in the theatre? Or do you have a team chant with your colleagues? Walk us through your preparation for surgery. Okay, so I, I think what you're talking about is, is a number of different levels. So yeah. the beforehand, you, you, you need to know what operation you're going to do. You need to just review the information. Yeah. Uh, for me... If it's a complex case, I'll sort of rehearse every step in my mind beforehand. Yeah. And I, I, I might even dream the operation night before. <laughs> wow. um, then what's important uh, is, the, is, to, is to get the team involved. Because there are a lot of people in the operating theatre. So there's the anaesthetist, the surgical assistants, the, the nursing staff, the porters, the operating room assistants. So there's lots of people there. Yeah. So we, we actually have a, a team brief. And this is something that's encouraged by the World Health Organization in which we talk through the operation yeah. and what we're going to do. And I want people to feel good. I want people to feel engaged. So we, we you know, we'll, I'll often 
say something positive um uh, i like to sort of have everything in a positive sort of sense of uh, yeah. of mind so if the weather's beautiful i'll talk about that Aww. if it's uh, if it's a crisp cold day we'll talk about that if it's somebody's birthday we'll briefly celebrate that you know yeah um, it's it, 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 it's important yeah yeah that's amazing get everyone yeah. bored like us when we have before an exam you know little team <laughs> little so we can talk. do it yeah. <laughs> and then you carry on Hey guys, this is Cece. You've just finished listening to part one of a two-part interview with Dr. Kunar, a cardiothoracic surgeon from the Royal Papworth Hospital. If you want to hear the rest, we'll be uploading part two on the 22nd of May. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be back soon.